Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher. So I hope everyone's having a good month of August. This weekend has been, or I should say this past weekend, has been very interesting because in Southern California, we actually had a hurricane coming up from Mexico. First time in 84 years, we don't really get them on the West Coast, and it turned into a tropical storm coming up into San Diego, and then into South Orange County, and then up into North Orange County, which is where I'm at. And oh my goodness, we had some rain, some thunder. It was a little bit scary. So anyway, um, I hope everyone who has had to deal with that in the past is safe and everyone is getting a little bit of relief from the heat we're dealing with right now. So today is interesting because I want to discuss something that I actually looked back to see if I've had it on any of my topics in the recent uh, podcast, and it's been since 2020. So I think three years is probably time to revisit it. And that is looking at waiving copays and deductibles. And the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because a lot of practices are saying they're now getting TPE audits, they're getting UPIC audits for, um, they call them in bad faith practices of waiving out of pocket for patients under the government. And then also there's some commercial plans that are starting to get in on the act and saying, what are you doing without our permission? So we really need to take a look at this from a compliance perspective and make sure that you are not waiving copays and deductibles or what we call cost sharing amounts for patients that you guys under a professional courtesy or employee benefit or a marketing ploy because this could violate uh, fraud and abuse laws and also payer contracts. And I just want to make sure that you're also not violating an anti-kickback statute either. I've dealt a lot with this over the last 30 years and just letting you know from a payer's perspective, waiving cost sharing amounts creates two problems. First, payers often contract with your physician or providers based on in part by what the provider's usual charges are. So that's what you're billing to them. And the OIG has argued that a provider who routinely waives copays is actually misrepresenting their actual charges. And second, more important, payers require copays, especially Medicare, to discourage overutilization and to reduce costs. So waiving copays and deductibles kind of removes the disincentive for utilization, meaning that patients are like, well, if it's free, I can come in whenever I want, even if I don't need it. And that's also happening with telehealth that we've noticed. And we know we have an ever-evolving landscape when it comes to in-person and telehealth visits. But according to state and federal laws, as well as payer contracts, they generally prohibit waiving cost sharing absent a genuine financial hardship. And remember, now that the public health emergency is over, you don't have the option anymore to waive cost sharing when there is one. So vaccines still do not have one, but treatment, whether it be COVID or anything, that does have one. And so there's even um, some co-pays on um, some of the preventative, not all, some preventative, if it's screening, is they've waived some out of pocket on that. But you need to know your rules. And so let's first talk about the federal programs. So waiving copays and deductibles for government program beneficiaries implicates the following laws. So first of all, monetary penalties law. So civil monetary penalties law, it's called the CMPL. 
that prohibits offering or transferring, they call it remuneration, to federal program beneficiaries if the provider knows or should know that this could influence the patient to order or receive services or items payable by that healthcare program from that particular provider. So basically you're saying, well, we'll waive your out of pocket as long as you get this service. Or if you, um, if they want to order something or if they want to refer as well, which we'll get to that in a second. So violations of monetary penalties law, that's about a $10,000 per line item or service provided in damages. And that's not good. (laughs) The second one is the anti-kickback statute. And that's knowingly, okay, so this prohibits knowingly and willfully offering, paying, soliciting, or receiving remuneration, that's money or value, to any person to induce such person to order, receive any items where the payment will be made under a federal program unless it fits within certain regulatory safe harbors. So what does that mean exactly? Because this can result in possibly a five-year prison term, 25,000 criminal penalty. There's also a 50,000 administrative penalty, treble damages, and I've seen it. You can also be excluded from the Medicare and Medicaid program. So let's say you, you are a physician who gets a lot of referrals from the ER or a lot of referrals from a specialty physician down the street. Let's say your primary care and the orthopedic surgeon or the cardiologist refers patients to you and vice versa. And those particular patients, you waive their out-of-pocket. Well, what that could look like like under the 42 CFR is that it's an anti-kickback statute violation because it's looking like you are routinely waiving the patients out-of-pocket so that you can get that referral. And the OIG has said that they interpret this as waiving patient cost sharing amounts if one purpose of the waiver is to induce or reward federal program businesses, you can't defend against that. And they do call it routine waivers. And so if it's something that you're doing on a regular basis. So here's a, a kind of a checklist of what the OIG has specifically warned against these kind of practices. You can't advertise and advertise could be, I don't think we really do um, bus seats anymore, but I have seen it in magazines. I've seen it on TV. I've seen it on, you know, those ads, flash ads we get on the computer. I've even seen it in payment apps now where it says Medicare accepted as payment in full or no out-of-pocket expense here or insurance accepted as payment in full or VIP, whatever you want to call it. That is warned against from the OIG. Um, Advertisements which promise discounts will be given to Medicare beneficiaries. Routine use of financial hardship forms which state that the beneficiary is unable to pay their coinsurance or deductible. If there's no good faith attempt, and that's not just sending them three statements. I heard somebody tell me that the other day. That's a problem because, again, if your office shows a pattern of doing that with every patient or doing that with a good percentage of patients, that's routine. So you had no intention of collecting that anyway. And patients cannot accept, uh, expect that. So th- the reason is, is because you have a patient where you're raving, uh, waving, I'm tongue-tied today, waving coinsurance and deductibles, they're going to refer patients that think that it's free to come to your office. And then collection of co-payments and deductibles where the beneficiary has Medicare supplement, okay, and so you're saying that the items are are free to the beneficiary, can't say that. Um, Charges to Medicare beneficiaries, which are higher than those made to other persons, so you can't charge more to offset the waiver of of a coinsurance. Failure to collect co-payments or deductibles for a specific group of Medicare patients, 
unrelated to indigency, so it's a certain supplier just in order to get referrals from that supplier, no. Um, insurance programs, this is one I saw recently, oh my gosh. So it was a $1 a year or $1 a month premium that they told the beneficiary that's all they have to pay and that's considered collecting their out of pocket. But OIG said those premiums are not based on actuarial risks. Those are based on a sham used to disguise the routine waiver of copays and deductibles. So do not offer that as well. They can see through that. Now, what is the exception? So financial hardship is an exception, and a lot of your private payers will also allow this as long as you contact them first. But the OIG has confirmed that it will not enforce the anti-kickback statute violations or the monetary penalties law is law as um, against providers who waive co-pays and deductible due to genuine genuine financial hardship so you have to be able to prove it you have to be able to say that it wasn't part of any advertisement or solicitation um, you don't routinely waive co-insurance and deductibles and you have actual good faith that the patient has a financial need, which means you have to have it well documented. And um, you can't say that you don't make reasonable collection efforts. And so there has to be a track of that. And then hospitals are a little different. They do have some exceptions. But with hospitals, OIG says that they recognize hospital uh, overall expenses are higher. And to document the financial need, you have to look at the patient's variables individually. So cost of living, their income access um, assets and expenses, the family size, the scope and extent of a patient's medical bills to, to kind of set a reasonable expectation of the financial need. That was also part of the No Surprise Act. And so it, it's, a, it's quite a bit of a balance because the No Surprise Act says that you can't collect a, fees above and beyond what it would have cost or out of pocket for the patient or what they would have had to pay um, if they were a preferred provider if the patient went to a covered entity, so an in-network entity. So um, this actually happened to me recently where I had a little bit of just an episode, just something weird, and I was, I'm fine. It was no big deal, but what happened was I was in um, just overnight the hospital. It was a nightmare, but it, they, I ended up getting bills afterward saying that this doctor saw me, was out of network, and they weren't paying this $700. Don't even know who that doctor was. Got another one, same thing. They're like, this doctor saw you, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I ended up, because I only saw a, um, a resident. I didn't see the attending. And so I questioned it when a bill came in and it turned out that I didn't have to pay it at all. They weren't going to, they weren't into negotiation. I went, because I know the rules, went straight and I got it all adjusted off. I said, you can't charge me that, especially because I didn't see that doctor. They're not even on any of the prescriptions you wrote me. So there's things you have to know about that as far as how that goes. But when it comes to good faith determinations, you're going to have to make sure that there are reasonable measures to document how you determine a patient's financial need. And you need to do that in the office setting as well. Now, here's where a lot of doctors get into trouble when it comes to waving out of pocket. And that comes with, and I'm air quoting, professional courtesy. They think that if they see other physicians, especially referring physicians, that they can say, you know what, don't worry about it. You're, this is a professional courtesy. We'll bill your insurance, whether it be Medicare, whatever and then you're protected. No, you're not, especially if that doctor refers to you on a regular basis. The anti-kickback statute prohibits this. Here's an Idaho state law as well. It says it's unlawful for a service provider 
to engage in a regular practice of waiving, rebating, giving, paying, or offer to waive, rebate, give, or pay, all are part of a claimant's deductible or claim for casualty, disability, insurance, work comp insurance, health insurance, or property insurance, when that provider also re refers to that other provider seeking that, that has seeked care. So it's it's really kind of clear. I hate to see kind of clear, but if you read it, you you know where they're going with that. Now, private payers, you have to look at the contracts. They generally require that the provider collect the copay and deductibles. Failure to do so without payers express approval would violate the contract terms, or it could be breach of contract or payment. Now, if you can establish that you waive the cost sharing due to financial need and then confirmed with the payer that's okay in writing, then you may have an argument. But I've seen offices that, you know, say, well, this, I, I want to keep this patient. They change insurances. So we're going to go ahead and waive their copay and deductible. No. Now, with no surprise act, can you charge them the same as it would have been if it was, if they were in network? Yes. But that don't just, don't just, um, kind of get into that fall into that practice because patients are now buying pretty crappy insurance so that they can basically may allow you to make less money. So try not to fall into that. But what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're not waiving anything routinely and you're contacting the private payers to let them know that this patient's financial hardship and be ready, hardship and pre be ready to, um, to prove it. So and it's not just the patient has they make 100000 a year and they say they have 100000 expenses. Oh, no, no, no. In California, for example, where I'm out of, you have to have poverty level, which means that in California, that's 22000 a year. In some other states, it can be as low as 9000 a year. So know what your, your poverty level is. You can Google that. But private payers have their own rules. And I've also seen them do this. So let's say you have a Cigna plan and you build a 99214. Your reimbursement for that is, let's say, 125. You build, you know, whatever you build. Let's say you build 200 and your allowable was 125. The patient's copay was 25. You waived that and you got paid $100. And let's say that Cigna heard about that, whether they pulled the patient or surveyed the patient or whatever, they just heard that you were doing that routinely. Well, they can come back and basically take back your allowable and change it to $100 saying that that was your actual fee and you're still supposed to get 25 from the patient and now you are only going to get 75 from the payer. And then the next year they will completely obliterate your fee schedule and sometimes put it under uh, Medicare. So I've seen that done too when there's abuse of the system. So one thing I, I strongly urge you, especially now that we're post-COVID, and I know we've been talking about this, I should say post-PHE, healthcare providers should review and update your policies and practices and retrain and re-educate your staff, including physicians, concerning waiver of co-pays and deductible to make sure you have a compliance policy. You know, as appropriate, um, providers might want to work with their significant private payers to confirm what situations where you can forego collecting cost sharing amounts and sometimes it's only for screenings um, and what you have to document for financial hardship and then making sure that you address this so you don't have to repay or you get adverse claim situation or you get audited or uh, heaven forbid you get a violation of the either monetary penalties or the anti-kickback statute remember the the government right now is bleeding money and they're trying to find it any way they can and this is one way they are now again attacking um, these rules so 
even if you think a patient should get it or your doctor happens to like this patient so they want to waive it or even not in something where it's not really the physician's fault they get cornered in the exam room where the patient's like hey doc you know this is a problem as a physician they should be calling in their financial person their liaison uh, whoever collects co-pays to talk the patient about that they can go see another patient at the same time and then come back to that room but they should not talk about money we won't treat patients you don't talk about money and everything's good otherwise what happens is as soon as the physician says don't worry about it today what they said in their mind was today i'll waive your copay what the patient heard is i will forever waive your out-of-pocket you and i are on a first name basis now and treat my staff terrible and yell at them if you get a statement so that's where it becomes a problem because now it hurts the credibility of the financial office, central billing office, and you just don't want to get into that. Also, patients talk in the waiting room and they say, oh, my doctor waves my out of pocket. And the other one says, oh, mine doesn't. The doctor who doesn't is actually compliant and the doctor who does could be getting in trouble. They complain to their insurer and then again, you can get a letter saying, what are you doing? So I just wanted to bring that up today because that's been such an ongoing issue. And I don't want to see you get in trouble for something that really should be a policy and followed policy um, within your office. So I wanted to give you a coding corner question today. And this is an interesting one. Came from a coding corner client who is uh, definitely a great client. They ask a lot of really good questions. And this one was about billing for services that are not covered. So there's two different kinds. There's uh, services that are statutorily excluded if you don't meet frequency guidelines. So one would be kind of like echoes. And there's also bundled services, kind of like, and I'm sticking with cardiology, uh, branches of major coronary arteries uh, when you already treat the major coronary artery. If you also treat the branch, that's bundled, meaning you're already getting paid for it. So if anything is a B status or bundled status, and you try to bill it extra, it means you're double dipping. Anything that's statutorily excluded and you're trying to use, you know, a GX modifier to let the payer know if it's Medicare that you know this is excluded, but maybe there's a secondary Medigap plan that you're trying to get paid or you want to get a denial for the patient and you're identifying it with a modifier, that's okay. But do not just bill for something that is bundled because if you do a lot of people think oh i'll just do it because medicare for data purposes can see all the work the physician's doing nope they already know that's why they put it in bundle status so make sure that you're not i, I kind of liken it to throwing spaghetti against the wall and then letting it drop um, if you're trying to code something or bill something, I should say, hoping to get paid, then you can find yourself in violation of a lot of different rules. And if you, but because everything we submit to an insurance company should be a clean claim where we are expecting to get paid, not hoping, expecting. Okay, well, that's it for me today. Our CodeCast podcast today was also brought to you today by Keck Medicine of USC, the Keck Effect. So everyone have a great rest of your week, make it a great day, and thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1, or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer, Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.